0: So this episode comes to us on the back of a pretty epic and fun podcast episode that was on the Macabolic podcast. If you get that reference, that's good. If not, don't worry. Um, that was done on Call Out Culture. And it was real a cool, um, real cool episode between Mackenzie and Tyson. They're both with us now. Welcome, gents. Welcome, Alex and Tyson. Tyson's sitting down for this now. Which is yeah, good. now I sat down. We're all chill. so we got at mackenzie baker at tyson the trainer from the previous episode touched on some really really good points looked at call our culture on the whole um max a member of the extended assessment team and um works on the initiative the nutrition for fitness professionals initiative and does a lot of stuff in the non um non-food tracking uh nutritional strategies within the association uh so he's privy to some I guess, you know, like meetings that we have, team building stuff that we do within the association um, and things where we talk about our value standards, how we want to approach things and stuff. Tyce isn't really aware of it, has, has, has no um, affiliation to that side of things. So um, it, look, in the episode, it was all really positive and um, something came up and, you know, Max talking about Tyson's approach and saying, what were you saying? He was a um, bit of a, a ninja or something, what was the term? Jeez. Um, I actually cannot recall my man. It was, I, can't man, recall I have, on that one. I have not done my research. Um, <laughs> but there was this re- re- really good term used. You, I think it was a nutrition ninja or something like that. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like the I remember it. it Rogue
1: nutritionist. There that's you go. Rogue nutritionist.
0: nutritionist. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. And so he... And he <laughs> He's Max, like just loving the fact that Tyson's calling people out, and then Mac goes so good. (laughs) At SNA, we had this meeting, and they say they want to do it like this, and then Tyson—he's not even heard of it—turns around and is like, you know, bless him, you know, great member for saying this. He's like, whatever SNA says, you should probably just do it. (laughs) 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 Um, He's like, look, if that like this is what I do, but yeah, you should probably do that. So I think, um, look, Mac, you tried your best to remember it, but you know, it was probably a week later or whatever. So what I want to do is get on sort of discuss what our values and standards are within, I guess, call out culture is. Um, talk about some of my own personal experiences, the experiences that we've had within the body now that we're coming into year nine, since this um, started as a, um, you know, hobby project uh, nine years ago. And so, uh, I guess from first of all to kick it off, the values and standards that we have, and sort of like what we were talking about in the meeting, was like we don't want to we, we don't want to stop call our culture. We just want to uh, really sort of qualify it. So to have certain things happen before it happens, um, our we we have a value of impact and legacy. So we want to impact the industry really really positively. We want we want to leave a legacy that's beyond. You know, if I were to stop work tomorrow, that it could continue and we could, can, and, and the mission continues. The mission being the sustainable prosperity of the profession so that, like, sports nutritionists can t- continue to have a really good space and carve out a good niche for them themselves and they continue to do well within that career and enjoy it, right? So, within that value, we've got a couple of standards. You know, that, that's a big value. I guess, you know, we could say, what are the, what's the difference between values and standards? Values are like, hey, mid to long term, this is what we wanna be honoring. Standards are the things that we go, all right, if we do these things in the moment, that'll ensure us that we're being consistent with our values. So um, one of the standards that we have with that is lift others up. And so we wanna make sure before we start calling people out on our end that we've given them every opportunity to lift them up and build them up, fall forwards, all that kind of stuff before jumping to a conclusion and then going on the attack. And so it's like, you know, so I guess the easiest thing from Aaron um, in that situation is, can we, can we, if we ask ourselves, can we answer this as a yes? Have I tried to lift them up to the best of my ability? And if the answer is yes, then it's like, we're probably not gonna call them out, um, but we're, we're probably not gonna be upset if other people do, or if there's spark debate from that point as well. Um, because, it's really hard to understand and ascertain if someone has rejected a positive helping hand um, to develop themselves and build themselves up more. If they've rejected that, it's really hard to say or have faith in the fact that they are actually acting within the public or their client's best interests. So, um, and this is something that uh, Tyson and I chat about the other week. And, um, you know, basically what we spoke about was like, dude, is it possible? Uh, and I guess this is us like playing it out now, right. Um, for the episode to like demonstrate this, right. Hey, I, you know, Tyson and I have had a conversation, you know, and like, he's all on board. Basically it was along the lines of, Hey man, do you think you could like reach out to him really positively? See if you can help him first. And then, if they don't then when you call them out screenshot the conversation that you've at least tried to help them as well and he was, and he was like fuck yeah of course i can um that makes it even easier for me it wasn't any
2: hassle hey i was like yeah like you know when you put it to me like that it's like it's quite easy for me to actually go about that and i guess it isn't just going straight on the attack it's like actually you know what is you know seeing where they're coming from and also like i said lifting people up first because the end of the day you know i'm here to lift up clients i'm here to help people online and it's like i need to also do that to people who are also in the same you know industry
0: and doing the same thing yeah exactly and i think one, one, one of the just as we say this that's a really good point and what what comes to mind is a central theme that you guys kept that like was in the episode was you know that one person thanked me because i called him out and it's like if we can try and before it gets to that point, and this is a big if because a lot of people tend to not be open, but people still are and real positive things can happen from that. But if we can help that person and lift them up and then what the information that they're promoting then changes as a result, um, then we're not just helping that one person. We're helping that person's whole influence and network then. And so, We're not looking at things from like an addition side of things, right? I've added that one person to the list of people that I've helped. We're multiplying it in terms of that force. And I think, you know, credit to you both. You're both in a position now with your careers where people actually look up to you and are like, shit, I want to do what Mackenzie does. I want to do what Tyson does. If I can be like these guys, then I'm going to be kicking goals. And I think that's a cool place to be.
2: Yeah. But I also think when you say that, like, again, like it does come still, like, you know, with people, again, like, you know, you saying that people are looking up to us. It's like, we also have to lead by example still, you know, because you don't want a bunch of people like me running around fucking screaming at everyone.
0: <laughs> I mean, to an extent, right? Like, yeah. like, look, if, you know, in a perfect world, everyone would be open to feedback and it on well. And they'd have a more balanced uh, approach with things, right? Things would be a little less dogmatic, but it's not. And in a perfect world, financially, you know, conflicts wouldn't exist and financial biases wouldn't exist, but they do. And I think in those instances, the public, you know, like it's cool for the public to be made aware of such things so they can make an, an informed decision. For sure. Yeah. Um, and I think this is where like, like Matt, interestingly for you, you, you're sort of like full no call out now. Um,
1: I wouldn't say I'm no call out. Uh, I've certainly been more towards that end, and I feel like I'm I'm coming back. I feel like my thought process now behind it all is context. And Tyson raised some really fantastic points in our podcast episode um, the other month, and that it's sort of like, okay, you know, even in Tyson's example, and in numerous examples that I've observed myself. Um, you know, if you approach people in a positive, constructive way, trying to genuinely say, hey, have you thought about this? But maybe offering an affirmation before you sort of like, hey, I can see that you really care about nutrition, you're trying to help lots of people, but have you thought about this? Or are you aware of this study? Or have you read this? Or whatever it is, you know, I think there is a chance that possible, like, positive things can really come out from that. And whether that's the individual learning something, changing their perspective, adjusting their, their approaches, or even building an industry friend, which um, I think is a really positive thing. Um, I think it's important that we attempt to do that. And then if no deal on that, they're not interested, they're thinking, you know, provided we've been really nice about it, they still think we're attacking them. They're closed off to the idea. They're not willing to have a a productive discussion. And you're quite confident that they are peddling bullshit um, for whatever reason, financial gain, the rest of it. I'm actually quite all right with the Tyson approach of the rogue nutritionist. Um, I think that it actually, as you sort of mentioned there before, Alex, um, the public have a right to know when someone is talking shit and spreading misleading information. Uh, Because as I always say, nutrition is not a joke. Um, It's not this little fun game where you just, oh, I'll just give people macros and it's all gonna be hunky-dory. Like nutrition is some serious shit. Um, Everything we do is tied back to our diet. And it's psychological, uh, it's our physical health, it's our emotional health, it's our social health. So, yeah, it's not this little fun game. You seriously, you know, misinformation, misleading information, information and advice that's gonna send someone down a dark path is not an okay thing. It really isn't. Um, so, you know, I like the idea of being professional, keeping to yourself, you know, what I would call more the Luke Tulloch approach. Uh, but then the same idea, um, I think if you've attempted to do, I guess, the right thing in little quotations, um, because we're all really passionate about nutrition, our emotions do get the better of us as well. Um, I think it's time to sort of say, hey, you know, I tried, you know, this is, this, is the, this is misinformation and here's why. You don't necessarily need to personally attack the individual, call them an idiot and all that jazz. Um, I mean, you can if you want, but, but <laughs> yeah, I just think it's more attacking the information, not necessarily the person.
0: Yeah. Or, 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 you know, like how, how certain things you know, like, I would even, I would argue that, you know, if there's, if there's financial conflicts involved and financial biases, then inferences can be made or suggested about the person. Then at that point as well, if we're talking about things that are like scientifically and, and like intellectually really unethical and lack of integrity, things like falsification of data to promote uh supplement or things like that. That's where I, I would say, yeah, inferences can be made for sure.
1: There, there is a certain example, which you're aware of Alex, of a big supplement company who, um, you know, has some very popular products that are promoted worldwide by influencers with massive reaches, hugely popular brand run by an Australian individual. Um, anyway, as soon as someone questions the integrity of that product, um, tries to question the validity or effectiveness of the product, it's an instant, we're going to take legal action, no, I,
0: blah, blah, blah. No, I, think, I, think, I think you're, you're overstating it. the questioning. I would say when they do a fair, robust comparison of the ingredients, so they don't have, um, like this person has no financial interests in it. They're just doing a comparison. So, Maybe it's the same, like that you would see many a nutrition professional do online, whether it's comparing this coffee to that coffee or, you know, Pepsi Max to Coke Zero, whatever it is, these two orange juices, a comparison like that, they're getting bullied with the legal stuff. Yeah. Cause I, I don't think it's just like whether they're questioning it. I, I would say I would say a comparison, like, like, like a neutral comparison isn't even any form of questioning. Yeah, and I
1: I do, I think I know the example that you're talking about. And yeah, for the the individual in question there who compared the two products, it was really a case of this is what's in this product. This is what's in that product. Decide for yourself. And yeah, legal action was threatened straight away. No interest in engaging in productive conversation. Um, And, you know, there's clear financial interest there. And that's the shit that, you know, that's the shit that, you can try but it's going to end up you sort of going down the route of okay this person you know this information this misinformation needs to be called out
2: yeah i think also when it does come down to individuals too like you know maybe not as big of a company but like when you do like i think there's also a distinction between like we're talking about the information that they're providing that is incorrect versus that person you know like i'll never like people like oh you're a bully for doing this but it's like hang on we're not attacking someone's race or gender or any of those things we're talking about the misinformation they're spreading so I think it also you know people can take that personally with what you're saying but it's like we're not attacking you and who you are as a person we're attacking the information that you are sharing that's inaccurate so I think there also needs to be a distinction between that like you know you're not just going after people and calling them out for the sake of it you're talking about something that they're you know misinforming people on
0: yeah exactly and I think um it's like you said like if like, you, you've been accused of being a bully, right? We tweak that approach slightly. Yep. In, and, you know, show, show you positive attempts to lift them up and help them prior to, and then their complete, like, ignorance and, like, null and nil rec- reciprocation. What's that going to do to, like, bullying accusations? Yeah, true. You, you're just going to see them drop significantly, right? And it's like, hey, I tried. Like, yep. at the end of the day, these people need to know. So there's like two levels. It's like, it's, it's not just the information, not the person. It's also, I've also tried. Yeah. I don't know. I I don't know what else you want me to do in this capacity. Um, And like on that, it can get pretty tiring and fatiguing to be reaching out to people all the time. Like I know I very much expect and embrace rejection. Um, You know, I'll get told, oh, so-and-so is doing this. And probably a couple of times a month, I'll have to reach out to someone, whether it's someone that's claiming to be a member of ours or someone that, you know, is a member of ours that doesn't know certain things, putting the wrong title, like accreditation title on or whatever it is. Um, And I go in there very much full well expecting rejection. Um, But I would say my experience is probably like 30, 35% of the time it's not. And real positive things can come from that. Um, Maybe it's like how Mackenzie said, people think I'm like the nutrition police. Uh, But funny story back when we weren't as big um, I this is how Kyle Weber and I actually made uh, like met, sorry mated because um, we're cook, hey, you did because we're husbands um, no uh, basically this is how Kyle and I met um, a couple of uh, we had, he was running a prep program specific like you know just teaching people how to prep people better because it didn't exist in the country and um, a a, like a government health um, agency reached out to us and like hey do you know of this all this kind of stuff we know what you're trying to do is this affiliate with you I was like no and they're like oh okay do you know much about the person in question and I was like no not really I can reach out and see what happens and you know we can dot eyes cross t's and see if we can make something good happen so I reach out SNA is tiny this is probably like five years ago so we're like a year after like really uh formalizing things and not and no longer being a passion project and it becomes like a full-time focus for me um so i'm like oh man this guy's just gonna tell me to get fucked um reach out expecting to get fucked and it was like hey man thanks so much for this really appreciate that you've taken the time um you know to let me know um I'd love to chat about further when works for you. And so, you know, from that point, we jump the phone, um, you know, have a great old chat about how it is, some tweaks that need to be made, how, you know, if, if, if he wants to do that and be a part of that, sort of the hoops we'd have to jump through in order to make it like crystallize it um, so that it is like a legitimately recognized thing and then like get an extension for scope of practice for those activities and stuff. And then, um, yeah, we started working on it from that point and, you know, fast forward five years and, this guy's like one of my closest friends so cool things can happen from it but yeah like there's there's a fair bit of rejection and you know do with it what you will but um you know there's, there's some real positive things that have happened from that um and i'm definitely not someone who has gone without calling people out or having the odd debate and all that kind of stuff anyway um even like in terms of call outs, like I did, you know, like I did a post last year about a member claiming to be a member of ours and a dietitian. Um, that we were getting calls up from multiple, uh, like multiple calls from the South Australian state health ombudsman um, saying that he was claiming to be a member of ours, was doing the rounds and we had members of the public hitting us up and all this kind of stuff. Um, and he was a member of neither of them. And so, yeah, like I went out and was like, hey, look, this guy's claiming to be like, a, like affiliated with us and he has absolutely no affiliation. We don't endorse him. This is the whole point. This is why you know, professional bodies exist, yada, yada, yada. So it's not like I'm sitting here not doing this stuff. It's just, I guess, from my end, you know, if you follow me on social or anything like that, probably not going to call people out as much because it's just a case of calling people out, you know, just aren't the lowest hanging fruit that I'm dealing with at whatever point in time. But when we get, like, incidences of these such as fraud where people are having, like, Really fucked health complications, like what happened with this guy who's subsequently being banned from it for life. He'll have um, it's a minimum ten thousand dollar fine for the next infraction, two to three years jail time for him. Ooh. So, like when it's that level of stuff, yeah, I'll do a call out. It'll be done, you know, in like in a way that's in alignment with you know the body's best interests and stuff. Um, but I think you know, like if you go in with the expectation to be rejected because you know people won't. And then you're surprised when they are, you know, like good things can happen from there. And I forget the guy's name. And I nearly said, uh, I nearly said, oh, um, what was the guy's name that gave you your first bit of feedback? Um oh, Dave Driscoll. Dave Driscoll. Yeah. So, oh. it, you know, you might have the Dave Driscoll um, experience. Yeah. And that's really cool. So I guess with that though, like, so, okay. So let's say i have
2: like theoretically let's say you message someone because again always trying to do the best thing first. if you message someone and it's seen but not replied or it's not seen at all like what would you do in that situation follow them up i'd
0: follow them up like twice in the, in the next week yeah I,
1: yeah i'd follow um, them up twice give yeah. them, it depends on their following like how big it is because you know if they've got you know, two million they're probably not going to see it anyway in which yeah. case just probably call them out anyway <laughs> but um yeah i just think like yeah, follow them up. Give them a bit of time to read it. If they don't respond, then shout them out and not shout them out. Call them out constructively. Yeah. I'm not like don't maybe not attacking the person. And look, I've made all these mistakes before. There was a time where I was this fucking idiot, this fucking sellout with the blah blah blah. You know, I've done that, um, and I've learned from my peers. I've learned from the people that I look up to, um, and now my approach is very much what I formally described. Uh, yeah. But I think yeah, in that instance, Tyson. Yeah, I think, you know, if you've given a fair chance, then call them out constructively. Yeah. That's that's the Tyson way.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just follow them up positively. Hey, it'd be really great to chat. Um, you know, like, obviously we share an interest in this, something like that. Just keep it positive for a couple of times, follow them up twice in a week. If you don't hear anything back, then I'd just say it's game on and then you've got, you know, inbox evidence, right?
2: Yeah. As long as I know what my parameters are to start with, it's all good. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, I, look honestly, that that you know, like that's it. Like if if you've attempted to lift them up and help them, and then they're not open to it and they're not responsive, there's only so much that we can do, right? Yeah. Um, and you know, like I, like I think sort of just just on that, um, couple of things with the big influencers, right? Like with huge followings, I don't one, I don't look at it and go, hey, they have a greater responsibility because if they're female fitness influencers. I sort of look at it with a different critical lens and I'm like, their following is not who you think they are. It's not young adolescent women. If they're showing tits and ass and they're half naked, they're following. I know for a fact because Lethal Digital, the agency that does all their websites and stuff, they manage the platforms of some of the biggest fitness um, influencers in the world. And I know the analytics of their following. And it is primarily from Asia, more specifically like, in near Mid- Middle Eastern countries, um, and it is primarily male, and we are talking like a strong majority. So um, b- these are the actual demographics of these people. Um, look, if someone, you know, if they're telling someone and that they need to be cutting out, uh, they need to be having BCAAs um, to help grow their glutes, and this person in uh, Bangladesh is listening to them and falling for it, and this guy in Bangladesh is listening to him and falling for it, then, you know, it, like it's not the end of the world. They're, they're not even, the, the brand of supplement they're selling isn't even being retailed over there.
1: Yeah. Um, and just, sorry, sorry, you go. I was just going to add something to this. And I was just going to say back to what we are talking about before. Um, you know, from personal experience, like, you know, as I said, I've gone down the full-on aggressive route and nothing positive comes from it. Um, I always afterwards feel like a dick. I feel a sense of regret. Um, I feel like I haven't helped anyone. And I actually feel very self-conscious about how people perceive me. Um, so like it's sort of those experiences as well, that which has kind of made me change the approach a little bit too. Yeah, um, But yeah, I think- I would agree. Like,
0: I, I share those sentiments for sure. Yeah.
1: And then back to the big influencer sort of thing. It's like, okay, well, they have- a large proportion of their followers are probably not going to follow the advice to to have lemon water because your guts are ruined after getting COVID, which is something that was posted on Instagram from a Brisbane PT this week. Anyway, um, it was bone broth and and, and lemon water to That's address, uh, gut upset. Thanks to COVID. Sebo. Um, so thank you Sebo.
0: Sebo 19. Yeah. C- 19. Um,
1: yeah. So I think that, um, I think even though like, you know, a good chunk of their following is not going to listen to that shit. Um, They still do have a large following who would, and they still have a large level of influence. So yeah, I I don't think it makes it any more. Okay.
0: Whatsoever. No, no. I just think from my end, I just think pop that lens on, consider who it is, consider Mm -hmm. look, there's going to be some influence for sure, but they're not, they're not shaping the futures of the youths to the degree that they're um, follow account would suggest and they can get back to you as well so case in point a time where i felt remorseful for a call out where was um and this is how mark carroll and i sort of like converse right so like he put a post up him and glenn put a post up and i thought i did all the right things right? i was like i'm going to be professional about this not name names so i took the post blurred all the names out like wired it all out and stuff but it had the copy in there so it was like impersonal and stuff but it was basically saying like, look, you can put people on like a 60% deficit and as long as you diet break them every like 10 weeks, that'll be fine. And I was like, bullshit. And this is, this is sort of going back two, three years ago. And if you guys remember me from two, three years ago, you'll know how much I love diet breaks. And I was like, these things are fucking awesome. Um, I, to me, I was like, they can do no wrong. They can fix everything. And so here's me, the like, lover of diet breaks, Mr. Reds, like Eric Helms, Helms, he's presenting, will still be like, oh, Reds, is Alex Thomas in the room? Do you want to present this section and stuff and, like, joke about it? Um, But, you know, here I am saying, no, that's not going to work. Like, a one-week diet break is not going to do that. That deficit is really aggressive. And it turns out that this guy, you know, Mark at the time, I didn't know much about him. And here I am putting this information out thinking, like, Look, I'm just going to create, like, correct this misinformation right now because I'm a massive advocate of diet breaks and this is getting fucking ridiculous. I wasn't incorrect. I was correct in it in hindsight, but the way in which I did it, I didn't reach out to him first. And turns out he's got bipolar and depression and anxiety and stuff. And, you know, like, even though he had a huge profile and I had maybe like, I don't know, 1300 followers or something like that. I was obviously someone that he was aware of given the work that I was doing in the industry. And um, yeah, it affected him pretty negatively. And I was like, like I I felt pretty fucked from that. Um, And ever since then, I, when I talked to him, he's got a lot of followers, he's got a lot of work on, but you know, he'll always respond to me. um, He'll always engage, you know, really, really positively and constructively. And that's, Definitely someone, uh, and that's definitely a lesson in the, that I've experienced in the past for myself. Where it's like, damn, probably don't want them to feel like shit. If I could have reached out earlier and we have established this beforehand, then it would have been better to do that. Could have spared you know someone going through going through their own stuff, um, uh, yeah. you know, spared them some distress. So, um,
1: yeah. yeah, Alex, I've think- made that mistake before, man. And um, yeah, it's interesting because uh, you do feel shitty afterwards. And I think part of the reason why maybe you went straight to it, straight to the jugular, like I did um, in, in a similar instance, is that you just assume that they're not going to reply or they're not interested. Yeah. But I yeah. think we should always give people the benefit of the doubt. I yeah. think that's a bit of a guideline or even we want to call it a rule that I'd like to do my best to sort of follow moving forwards yeah. with this whole so, thing.
0: And I think, I think even, I guess this is the like thing that I suggest as well is you know, with the, you know, when calling out and stuff, wrap it up with like a neat, like wrap it up with a neat bow and like an open door. It's like, hey, this is wrong. This is wrong for these reasons. I tried to reach out to explain it. Here's all the data to support it. Um, of course, I don't want to do this, but I'm not hearing back. So, I, you know, like here I am because, you know, people deserve to know. Um, I'm going to tag a minute. Hopefully I hear back from them and hopefully we can have something positive from it. You know, like, if, if, you, if you can end it with, like, you know, an open door in some capacity, yeah, and, like, by all means, it doesn't have to be as, like, neat and friendly as that. Like, it can be, like, this information is fucked. I would never be saying that. And here's the research. Yeah. And it's, like, and here's the research. But I've tried to reach out. But, but you know, like, I've tried to reach out. haven't heard back from them. It's pretty ordinary. But maybe they haven't seen it. And maybe they don't know about this stuff. So the doors are always open because, you know, like, even still at that point, You don't want to burn bridges to the point where it's like, oh, fuck. Now this person's never going to listen to anything that I say. And now they're going to ignore that information, which is, you know, strongly accurate at this point in time and could be for a very long time.
1: Yeah, you definitely don't want to burn bridges because even though they might be a complete dually right then in that moment, um, people are open to change. You know, and there is a particular company, a coaching company that's like does education, hobby courses. That um, look, I'm still not really on board with their shit, but geez, they've come a long mm-hmm. way since yeah. the, the previous sort of, you know, very polyquin esque stuff back in the day. Your bio sig, yeah, your, your, uh, your belly fat uh, pinch site indicates that your cortisol is too big. So here uh, <laughs> it's too high. So here we'll take these licorice tablets to try and address it. I'm like, Shampoo, yeah,
0: 100, 100 it's not tabs of that shit. <laughs> 100 tabs of that. If you're have 100 tabs a day, are your hormones even optimal? Yeah, yeah. So um, sort of on that, I want to open up the floor to you guys because like we've spoken a lot about us, hate the body and stuff. Um, and this sort of ties in well because I, I have a bit of a recommendation like, and I think you guys will probably agree with like recommendation stuff for if people listen to this and they, they want to call someone out, something really grinds their gears. It's almost like a checklist that I'll, that I'll give at the end. And I'm pretty sure you guys will agree. And half of these things, we'll probably be there because we've learned like through our own mistakes right um but i want to open up to you guys because or it's not like it's not like we're without fault right so we've got like every now and then, like we'll have an intake and we'll have 150 people coming through a cohort um at the moment and our failure rate is higher than Any of these other hobby course providers, um, probably higher than the average uni statistics now as well, because I know how hard it is for them to fail. So we see about 9.5% fail. And then we see about another 7% defer because they would be fail, they would actually fail, but they work with us and they work with the assessment team, communicate early, let us know that things are going on, let us know that they're struggling with certain things. And then we can give them feedback and pop them into an intake that's going to be more suitable. Um, you know, for them in completing that with flying colors. So I would say we've got pretty good standards, but we still have people that come through and they'll come out and promote a supplement in a certain way um, that, you know, that I wouldn't wouldn't say is the most optimal way to promote a supplement, um, given I don't really value supplements that much. Um, They'll come out and say things. I think the other week we had someone talking about COVID jabs for kids. So like, um, yeah, yeah. Like legitimately, yeah. Um, okay. So I know that you guys see some stuff and I think the stuff that you guys would be like, damn, like I don't necessarily want to affiliate with that. Um, and from our end, our cert people, or like like I'll hand it over to you because you'll see some stuff you don't necessarily agree with with that. The lower hanging fruit for me, like I see it, I, I, I don't see it all. I'm not fucking, you know, Morpheus in the matrix. Um, but I see a fair bit of the stuff and like the low hanging fruit to me that I need to actually have a chat with some people about is like, Hey, on this sports nutrition page on your Instagram, please don't talk about vaccinations in kids. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the fact that you actually have to say that
2: still boggles my mind.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's um, it, it's pretty crazy, but like I, I'll open it up to you guys. Cause I think um, this is something in the past that, you know, you've had a dialogue about and I want to get some feedback and stuff as well. Because it's not just hey, this is what we want from the body. It's like fuck, like you know, like we value feedback as well. Um, And I know this is something that you got. Like in the past, you guys are like, yeah, I don't want to like if people are too fitspo or too supplementy, it's it's bad. We got to do something about it.
2: Yeah. So what? Just what we've seen? Like just over? Yeah, man.
0: Fucking tell us,
2: right? Well, I mean, like I think the biggest thing that I see a lot of with, unfortunately, is just you know, in the the bodybuilding female fitness diet culture is the amount of dieting that's going on and like, you know, always searching for the lowest calorie things, always looking for the highest volume. And they're not, they're not teaching people like just what good habits are overall. They're teaching them how can you always look for the lowest calorie option for the most amount of food. And I think that's creating like, you know, as someone who's come from a bad sort of background, like it's not helping people with their food relationship. It's actually, you know, hindering it more than anything. Um, so like that's one thing that I hate always looking at people always trying to look for the lowest calorie height like best way to diet food type of thing
0: mm-hmm. what do you reckon Matt oh geez where do I start you've got, it, some,
2: you've got some ground
1: down gears from dooleys hey god all right so things that trigger me is exactly what Tyson said just this overemphasis on maximizing food volume not realizing that dietary fats do have an impact on satiety uh, it's not just about like volume in the gut um and also you know the purpose of dietary fats because people are eating very low fat diets um yeah and then the whole sugar alcohol focus all that that's that pisses me off um the other thing that pisses me off is the whole like if i didn't track i would overeat like you need to track like track track tracking 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 is the only way this is how it works you got to do it all the time this is how you track social meals like like okay don't have a problem with people tracking social meals here and there i just want to make that clear but just this whole idea that you have to like sometimes anyway that's another kettle of fish that's something that annoys me um yeah the thing that really i'm
0: loving this
1: yeah and the whole um oh i tell you what something really freaking triggers me strike me down on this so it's the whole I've been seeing a gut specialist and I have all these herb gut supplements and I have SIBO and candida and et cetera, et cetera. No, you've just been dieting for 18 months and you've got reds. That's why your gut's fucked,
0: right? Did you see my post on that? I think it was last week.
1: Yeah, I I saw the first few slides of that one. Um, Yeah, it's just like, and like this whole, you know, You don't know, like you're a you're a personal trainer who's done a certificate level nutrition course. You don't know more about the gut than the researchers who research it. You are not Dr. Gabrielle Fondero. Yeah. Okay. You do not know more about the gut than science and medicine. Okay. So stop pushing these unvalidated treatments in quotations and like testing methods, like, oh, I had a SIBO test. It's not validated. Yeah. Um, they're like called, com-
0: they're, actually, they're referred to in Australia as complementary therapies and there's no complementary therapy that's recognised in, in, in yeah. the country. So like, and look, uh, like if, if you're a dietitian, that is 100% like, a, like an allied health intervention. That's completely different to a complementary therapy. There is no evidence-based government or um, professional body recognition of any form of complementary therapy in the country.
1: And look, this isn't to say that all of that stuff is a load of complete shit. Like a lot of things in nutrition, there's always a pinch of truth, uh, but rather, you know, it's the interpretation. Like carnitine is a classic example, can increase um, the oxidation of fats, fatty acid oxidation. But that doesn't mean fat loss. It's a classic sort of simple thing like that. Um, I think like, you know, give people, again, we've got to try, and this is something again that I wouldn't have done in the past. We've got to try to give people the benefit of the doubt. They are generally trying to help. But yeah, you know, this stuff, like this whole gut thing that's going on, especially in the Gold Coast and surrounding areas, is yeah, that's the thing that I'm just. Like, to get oh, for sure. Couldn't handle it anymore. <laughs> too much, too much SIBO going around. I thought I was gonna catch it it's <laughs> contagious, right? We're gonna catch SIBO.
2: <laughs> too scared to go to the gym. Well Jim Burley, too much of it there. Oh, Jim Burley, huh? <laughs> <laughs> But it's funny, like, you know, when you say that, and again, when Mac was saying before about the tracking, I think that's also a huge issue that like everyone who gets like, you know, any coach, any coach, sorry. Like as soon as they sign up with someone, okay, you're tracking your macros. You have to be within, even though they've done your cert within, you have to be within five grams of your fucking macros, or you have to track your black coffee or track all these things that like it's causing neuroticism for people. And people are thinking they have to do all these little minutia things to get the results when it's like, just because you are someone who does it for yourself or again, you know, maybe because you compete or whatever it is, because that's how you control things doesn't mean that everyone's going to fit into that. And like, there's just so many people go straight down the my fitness power route and here's, you got to track everything. You got to weigh everything to the gram. And I just feel like it does a lot more harm than it does. Good. Yeah. Tyson back that 100%. And because of like
1: my commentary on social media, I do tend to work with a lot of clients who, you know, have worked with another individual who've just, they've just tracked. And this is, all the time. Like I've always got a few clients who are sort of trying to move away from trucking, and you know, it's this slow process and they're anxious about it. And like, it just, I mean, I'm obviously exposed to it more than most people because of, you know, this sort of side demographic that I tend to, I guess, attract, but it's not like a little fun and game things. Like these people are seriously going through some tough times because they don't know how to eat without tracking in my fitness pal. And honestly, it like it almost brings a tear to my eye sometimes seeing this shit. It is just, it's not okay. And yeah. the, the thing is like most people don't even realize that this can come about because of tracking. And I'm not anti-tracking, okay? It's just this whole like, it's the only way you've got to do it. There's no alternative. There's no assistance with building that autonomy or that skill to be able to eat in a controlled manner without tracking. Every meal is tracked, no non-tracking meals. Um, there's no talk about, hey, what are some other methods we can use to control our calorie intake, such as mindful eating, uh, you know, focusing on a certain approach to building meals that is somewhat calorie conscious and filling blah, 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 blah. Um, I think it's missing the forest of the trees. And yeah, I just, I see firsthand how detrimental it can be to someone's overall health. Yeah, It's not okay. People
2: yeah. won't even go out to eat, you know, they won't even go out to eat at restaurants because like, oh, if I can't go here, I can't track it. And it's like, like, you know, why would we even want to consider that that that's an option that you can't go to a place because you can't track that or you're trying to guess how many calories are in this i'm like it's a social meal it's something you're supposed to enjoy it's not something you're supposed to be stressing Mm -hmm. about
0: and i think i think i'm gonna like i agree with all these sentiments i'm gonna throw a um boomerang into this and say, like, like and, you know, just challenge your perspectives on this a little bit. If we have, like, like I operate from a much wider lens, right? So, like, this is my 14th year in the industry and 11th in, like, a more sports nutrition heavily focused thing. Like, sports nutrition and sports supplements, all that kind of side of things, right? Um, so, on the, um, I guess, on what these people are posting, right? There are, typically, we all post what we know and what we're doing. So like that that will always come first to an, to an extent. And the market, the audience, they need to exercise their own discretion. The same way, right? Um, we get people who are like, oh, I've studied with Vast. I've studied with Nutrition Pro. I wanna register with you. I'm a sports nutritionist. Will you recognize me? And I'm like, well, not me, like the team now, they're like, absolutely no way. We have like 12 like legitimate subjects that get compliance audits that you maybe have done three of. Like, um, Tice, we were speaking about this um, the other week and it was, you know, like the vast program sounds great because it's 12 months long. Yeah. So like time being like a proxy. Oh, and Mackenzie, we spoke about this briefly as well. And like the rationale is time is a proxy for competence. But when you look at the subjects, there's no exercise physiology, there's no bioenergetics, there's no applied X phys there's not that much nutrition phys, there's not much applied nutrition in client settings there's no actual like practical nutrition side of things there's no research so like how are these these people are like literally that there is like nutrition for athletes nutrition for like the population and stuff and there's a lot of like there's a few public health subjects as well but it's like and because because it's a watered down version of the bachelor's in nutrition and that two and a half to three years of that program is public health stuff so of course it's going to be like that but like that doesn't that doesn't then equal competence in sports nutrition practice. Um, you know, and referring back to the pod that I had with Geordie, he really emphasizes how much the applied biochem, the applied X phys the applied nutrition mm-hmm. is, and the practical exposure of those concepts is, like, is just an absolute necessity with those things. So um, we have people saying that all the time, right? But where, and they'll hit us up, but we don't go, oh, that's 100% wrong, screw them. Because from our end, it's like, hey, look, the market need, like we're going to try and make them informed, but the market are also responsible for their own decisions to an extent. There's an element of that. It's not 100%. Let's say 20 30% is the market is responsible for what they do. Then 20 30% is people are going to talk about what they're doing. It's just, it's just recency bias. It happens all the time when Mac is balls deep in his surfing um, research for his thesis, you just watch his Instagram, have a little bit more nutrition for surfing considerations go out because it, it's just human nature. It's what we do. Right. Um, I've been watching one piece. I'm wearing a one piece shirt. I got Luffy on me. Right. Like um, it's just sort of like that. So we sort of look at it with all those things and then it's like, yeah, that is an incorrect statement at that volume. And there's a better way to communicate it. So like 60% is on them. They should communicate better. Hey, for my physique clients going through a prep, these are ways to navigate social eating. Yeah. I want to caveat this at the end by saying you shouldn't be doing this in the off-season and in the off-season, it's all about this stuff. And Mm -hmm. just look at how the guys at 3DMJ, 3D Muscle Journey, talk about this stuff. It's always it's always contextualized to those things and talking about the periodization of, of these tools and principles. Right. So there's that. So from our end, I guess, from a body's end, then this is like a big thing um, for mine. And we, we were talking about it beforehand was the distinction between someone who's provisionally accredited and openly accredited. And we as a collective, you know, the members and how we talk about ourselves professionally need to do a better job at communicating that because, and like communicating that difference because if, it, if they're provisionally accredited and they're saying that stuff, then I want to give them the space over the next year, two, three years during that provisional period to fall forwards. But, and then to pick themselves back up and make some mistakes because we don't learn, so there's only certain lessons yeah. that we've learned from making mistakes.
1: Yeah. 100%. But
0: there's also, there's also a line and if all they're doing is saying that and it's completely disordered or like we had when that, you know, SIBO expert and gut health expert was doing the program to do it. And then she was disagreeing with digestive physiology from a textbook. It's like, hey, that's the line. You just crossed it. We, we, we you know, you can't continue with this. And, and we will do that. Um, so from our end, it's sort of like, I think it's like we want to give them the space to fail forwards. And we need to do a better job. And we this is the association as well as like you know internally and the members communicating the distinction between a provisionally accredited sports nutritionist and openly accredited. Because for you guys, we're looking at and, and like talking about that pathway. Like people talk about the path. Oh, I studied the cert with SNA. Now I'm doing IOPN or HPI or IOC. And it's like for like for us, actively or accurately referring to the pathway. And Your registration pathway, not that you've studied with us, is more important, and yeah, and, and, and what it means to be openly accredited. So it's like you've done over three years of study collectively, and you've practiced for over three years, yeah. Somehow, I've just got to um, jump
1: in there, my man. Sorry, sorry, yeah, you've go got to it. jump in there. I've got to go. Um, thanks so much for having me on the episode. Um, we're gonna to have to take an ad break on this episode anyway, because uh, Tyson's got to get his pulse style protein dosing in, <laughs> so um. Yeah, so we'll just take a quick ad break, folks. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll see you later. Um, sorry to interrupt, but I do have to go. Thank you so much for having me on the the podcast, Alex, and good to see you, Tyson. G All you the mate. best, gentlemen.
0: Mac, leave us with your two cents on the on open accreditation. Come on.
1: Oh, it just comes back down to the 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 qualification definition. Like it's a certificate, provisional thing, and I think people need to recognize that. Um, yeah, I just I think that's the main thing. Like this is a provisional, you know, if you want to go to that level, go and do the full the full feature, go and get open.
0: How, how long did you study for? And how long did you work for in the industry before you were openly accredited?
1: I'd say three years, I'd say.
0: I would, I'd say you were almost four by the time you got open.
1: Yeah. Oh, I would have done it quicker. I would have done it quicker if I knew, but you yeah. know, I didn't really know about SNA. And SNA was really new when I started yeah i think if it was these days i probably would have been right onto it and kind of quick i'd be at the open level much quicker
2: yeah
0: all right thanks man appreciate it
1: thank you James. have
2: See a good you, day i think also with that it looks like you were saying like again like you know getting to that open accredited thing it's like if this is what people want their career to be like follow the follow that stuff and do it because like it always blows me away when people ask me hey what should i do i want to go down to nutrition i'm like you know this is going to be serious do what you actually like you know do the proper stuff you know don't take these hobby courses or anything like that like if you're saying this is your career and you want to make an income out of this you want to be a professional then it's not like oh i'm going to be a lawyer maybe i'll do like a year at uni and then
0: i'll see how i go it's like this is going to be what you want to do yeah and then you got to register with the law society and all that kind of it mate i completely agree it's um it it, yeah (laughs) it's funny hey like we i get i get i get feedback from people all the time where it's like, really, I'm just working with Jen Pop. And it's like, you mean Jen Pop, like the mum of three kids that sleeps four hours a night that can only eat what the kids are eating that feels shit about herself because she's 15, 20 kilos heavier than when like prior to having kids, like that Gen Pop? Because that's Gen Pop. like they're, 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 There's complex shit going on. A hundred percent. And like,
2: again, like how many people are actually like, you know, we do the SNA and it's sports nutrition, but not a lot of like, most of our coaching as a coach is going to be with Gen Pop. So you need to be, you know, again, qualified enough and have the knowledge so you can look after these people because they're going to be your bread and butter at the end of the day too.
0: Yeah, big time. A lot of people sort of want to go down the athlete road or the prep road and it's like now Gen Pop first. So, like, funnily enough, um, we were talking about this as well. And it's like, not until you're at the point, like people will see you, they'll go, right, want to be like Tice, want to be like Mackenzie. But it's not really until you're at the point where you are, where you start thinking to yourself and you've you, you, you achieved a level of success. And like, I'm not gonna um, you know, divulge on this, what we've discussed and what you've told me, but you're doing like really, really well, um, yeah. especially for someone your age. And you're in a phenomenal position and it's a testament to the work that you've put in, right? Academically, professionally, and it's awesome to see. And a lot of members should be aiming for this stuff, but until you're there, you can't fully appreciate like the security that's required at that level as well like hey thank god i'm openly accredited (laughs) thank god i'm registered thank god i'm insured the whole time because you actually have shit that you can lose yep when 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 you're younger and you're spinning your wheels and you know you're making all these it's very easy to make these compromises right right But then once you're like doing pretty well, and like you said, like, if this is going to be a career, like if this is going to be a career, you need to start with the end in mind. Like fucking make sure you're dotting these I's and crossing your T's. And if this is your career, why the hell do you want to be settling for a minimum standard in a certificate? Like it blows my mind. See, you're looking to do your master's and you're like, all right, I don't know about this intake. We've got no confirmations of um, entry on that intake. What can I study in between?
2: Yeah. And again, there's like, there's no like people are like, oh, why do you keep studying? It's like, it's for, obviously for my knowledge, but it's just like, you know, the more that you understand as a practitioner in this, like the more you are able to help people, you know, cause there's, there's always something, there's always more things you can learn obviously, but it's like, you know, you may pick up one piece of information from one course and that's the only piece of information you pick up, but it helps you with all your other clients, like one thing that you get. So I think always people think like, why do you keep? trying to learn it's like well, what else are you supposed to do this is your career you should
0: always be learning because
2: this is your profession this is the hours you're going to be spending doing
0: yeah it, it doesn't make sense to a lot of people on the entry and they will look for like a quick fix a shortcut path of least resistance but i like i say this all the time it's like if that's what you're looking for and you take that road i can guarantee you you are going to be struggling with clients yep. who are going to be giving like who are going to be matching you with that same level of energy and intent because that's all you're going to be attracting because you can't be real with yourself first to accept certain things, make peace with delayed gratification, make peace with the fact that, you know, certain things, having good things takes time, um, and takes a lot of hard work as well. So, um, yeah, I think sort of circling, you know, taking all that in mind, we can circle back to the recommendations. Um, on call-outs, right? My recommendations, yep. this is what I was saying, I reckon, we, we, like most people you'll you, you agree with is, okay, we reach out and we try and lift them up first and we have multiple attempts. We expect rejection, but if, you know, prepare for the worst the best happens, we get some real positive stuff. And if we can, if we when we get that change, then we're helping them and their audience as well as not just that person from a call-out. So we're looking at multiplication and not addition in that, in that setting of like people that we're helping. Um, then second thing is we can leave the doors open at the end. So that way there's like, go ham. If they're wrong, you know, say they're wrong and why. But if we can leave the door open, so that way there's a constructive relationship at the end um, and somewhere where they can still learn and have access to information, then that's awesome. And I think my third caveat that I would recommend to people is (laughs) wait till you're openly accredited before you start doing this stuff yeah yeah um because i feel like you'll see it all the time right like fresh grads will come and it's just that little bit of dunning kruger and we've all yeah. experienced it within ourselves like that's probably when we were like the most like aggressive whereas now it's like if you're going to do a call out it's a lot more tempered yeah so like if you can refrain until you're openly accredited you finish your grad did you've got a couple of years experience practicing in the field, you've been in the trenches, but then you also have that applied knowledge. You, you've done like some, you know, decent level research. Your, your biochem and physiology is through the roof. Then in the event that a healthy debate sparks, you can actually engage in a, oh a constructive capacity. You can actually engage in a constructive capacity.
2: Yeah. I, I think you're hundred percent right. Because like one thing that, again, like, you know, with, I always, when I go to not attack, but to call someone out, it's like, I make sure I know exactly what I'm saying. And the research is there to back me up with what I'm going to say. Cause again, you can look like a, an idiot if you go and say something to someone and you're actually incorrect. And you know, like you said, as like provision, like on your provisionals, it's just, you're still learning things as you go. And so it's like, maybe focus more on yourself and trying to learn and get better at that before you start looking at other people. Cause you know, Glass houses at the end of the day too. You can't throw rocks through glass houses.
0: Yeah, yeah. And like, that's a big one. Like, 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 I hope for everyone listening today, um, they can sort of take away, I guess, look, our perspective on it, um, what we'd like to encourage, the fact, like, like, have a clear understanding on the values and standards that, that we want to have in the industry and the impact that we want to have and how we want to go about it. We really just want to lift people up. If at the end of the day, everyone is approaching things in in a really uh, moderate, like not really, but like a moderately critically appraised capacity with an open mind, that'd be a really good thing to see. If the information that we start seeing as well is just like the bigger rocks, right? Like just eat more plants. Yeah. (laughs) That'd be phenomenal as well. Um, And then people can sort of start understanding, I guess that, you know, that like certain things, you know, can be great in the short term, but they may have some long-term consequences to them. And um, if we can get, you know, do a better job of, uh, you know, both collectively, the members and the association itself of communicating that distinction between a provisionally accredited sports nutritionist and an openly accredited sports nutritionist. Um, And and, and I guess that, you know, the difference between those levels and the standards that sort of come with that, that'd be a really cool thing.
2: Yeah. I think also just for coaches too, like, like you were saying before, like have that long-term thing in mind where, you know, if this is going to be something you want to build up and make your career and, you know, if you do want to go down this route of, you know, kind of being a leader, then just put in the time and effort to, like, it is going to take time and effort, you know, like I said, your professionals is three years, okay? Then you got to open. So it's like, you've got to make sure during that three, this is not just three years and then, okay, I'm open it, I'm open credit, that's all it is. Like, this is something you're going to have to keep putting work into all the time to be a good
0: coach. Mm. And, and 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 sort of just on that as well, like you don't have to do our cert and then go do IOPN or HPI or um, the IOC diplomas, post grad diplomas. You can just you can just do us and uni at the same time. Like we, I think 27 to 35 percent of our member base is our uni students at the moment in these programs, but they've seen it for what it is, which is a phenomenal opportunity to get in the trenches, establish a client base prior to graduating so that way they're hitting the ground running when they're graduating because the majority of work is in private practice like it's in independent client work yeah so a lot of grads like a lot of people students are now starting to sort of see that as well and i think one thing that i want to add on this just so that i've got it recorded somewhere is that because we've referenced it a few times as well is we've spoken about hobby courses and people always like oh what constitutes a hobby course and to us like in like as it relates to the practice of sports nutrition it's like any course that doesn't submit for audited compliance with a legitimate academic transcript with this, the following subjects. So they don't have energy availability, they don't have X biz they don't have bioenergetics, they don't have research, they don't have nutrition one, they don't have nutrition phys. they don't have biochemistry, they don't have, re, uh, I think I've said research already, they don't have business and practice and service provision. They don't have... Uh, applied sports nutrition in clinic and they don't have applied weight management and body composition nutrition in clinic those are the things there's, there's it, basically what we're talking about is the subjects that are completed in nutrition physiology or nutrition degree half of those subjects combining with an exercise science and exercise physiology program as well so it's like half of those programs put together that's it so if you've done that stuff at a uni we're not saying hey that's not a hobby course uh, so sorry we're not saying that's a hobby course you can't register. If you've got that, we've got plenty of members who have done undergrads in ex-phys and exercise science and then postgrad and dietetics registering with us. We've got people who have done the IOPN or HP, HPN2, um, ISE diplomas come through and then um, get recognized for the subjects that they've done. And then we just fill in the gaps um, with the risk assessment, applied bioenergetic side of things. And then um, we also have people that have done HPN1, NAMS, There's a couple other programs that we recognize, but they all have a legitimate academic transcript and student audits. And they all um, submit those audits for compliance from that side of things. And that's what constitutes a legitimate course versus a hobby course. So how would people like, you know, if I'm just someone who's looking to
2: maybe do a course, nutrition course, how would I know that? Like, do I send them an email and ask? Is it should it be on
0: their site somewhere? Like how would someone who's looking to do that? Um, it's funny you asked that, man. Hey, um, I think we sort of had a to touch on this a while back when we were chatting and I was like, you would be surprised. Like you would probably want to call this stuff out more. Um, a lot, like I would just ask for what the subjects are and yeah. if you get, and if you get, I would ask for if you, what the subjects are and if you get a legitimate recognized academic transcript. And then it's, then it's just looking at your subjects and looking at your transcripts because these like a lot of these places are like, you are recognised, you will get insured and stuff. We've had this one thing recently where it's like, um, oh, the Beck Institute of Health. And it's like, they'll recognize sports nutrition. And it's the International Complementary Health Initiative or Institute or something like that. Some like random institute that has no base of operations in Australia saying they're going to like cover- People that have done this back health course, which is like a gut health sort of SIBO course, and they are covered for sports nutrition. So these people are referring to themselves as sports nutritionists. And for us, it's like that's not even close to it. Um, yeah. So like that, that, that. I would say like the marketing, the like how tricky and for lack of a better term, misleading the verbiage and terminology is on their sites in their documentation. It's like crazy. Like for the majority of people, they would look at this man and they would be like, yeah, yeah, I'm covered. Yeah, right. So that's where I say like a part of the responsibility is on the market. So hopefully people hear this and they, you know, if you've done these other programs, you don't get too butthurt about it. Like, sorry, we're not going to recognize you. Like we've trademarked the terms, we've got the certification mark, the ACCC recognize it. Um, you know, they'll, it's like hopefully you don't get too butthurt and hopefully... You can look at it and go, all right, well, you know, I'll I'll lick my wounds and learn from my lessons. And for the people who learn from my mistakes and for the people who are listening, who are looking at this stuff, it's like, look at the subjects and look at the transcript. Um, There's some diplomas and there's some programs now through Deakin and actually Endeavor College of Natural Health have a phenomenal nutrition and dietetics program with ex-phys subjects all through it. So, like it, it is interesting, but it's all about the subjects yeah. and it's all about like the subjects in the transcript. All well, those people get an idea then, you know, it's
2: like, again, they can just go, as long as they listen to this and they are thinking what they're going to look at as long as you yeah. can look yeah. at it.
0: Really like, you, like you've done a lot of private courses, right? Yeah. How many provide you with, of the ones that you've done, how many provide you with a transcript with a breakdown of all that stuff? Um,
2: well, you guys, IOPN, Mac Nutrition, like the three that I did
0: yeah exactly right so like there you have it mac yep. nutrition for anyone in oz um there
2: was actually a full transcript i don't think i got from any anyways
0: <laughs> i don't think they i don't think they give it but they have a breakdown of the subject is really good yep. and MNU, depending on the country you're in you you can operate as a nutritionist but in, in, in australia um in australia the uk the us um like the big countries it's You've, it's 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 got to be a four-year degree minimum for that stuff. Yeah. All that precedence is already there. Um, so that's a bit of an interesting one. Their policies are, like, they've got a legitimate policy um, with that stuff, but there's, like, conflicting stuff with the national federal law yep. as it relates to those countries. And now now in the UK, um, there's trademark protections for nutritionists as well. So, like, they can't even refer to themselves as that. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's pretty crazy. But look, man, thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. Um I think what we're going to do is you and I are probably going to circle back and have a chat about in the coming months, you know, probably have a chat, chats about stuff that people should be considering um, from the career side of things. Like we touched on it to begin with, but you know, you're now at a point where you're in the precipice of like really thinking sort of like long-term, you know, how I'm going to be, how I'm going to structure my career to set my life up. And these are the things that, I want, these are the conversations that I want to have more about to start stimulating people's thought processes within our member base and our audience as well because it's definitely something that's not touched on enough. Yeah, 100%. Thanks, bro.